0: Stop by Ken Garf West Valley Dodge this Labor Day weekend for used car deals like you've never seen. Our inventory is packed with cars starting under six thousand, so you don't want to miss out. You hear that music? You know he's back. Norm Chow, the former Ute and Cougar assistant coach, joins us now. Norm, good morning.
1: Good morning. What an exciting day!
0: Absolutely, rivalry game tonight. Utes and Cougars and. You've been on both sides of this, but before we get to that, Norm, we have to talk about you, and then we'll talk about the game. <laughs> you lied to us, Norm. You told us you were retired. That was a lie. Oh I, gosh! On Twitter, and I see Norm Chow's going to coach in the XFL. You're not retired. You just didn't want to move and chase jobs all around the country. But if there's one in L.A., you'll take it.
1: Well, this one was. It, it was. It, I, I met the the, the head coach. Um, he had never met him, and met him one night, and he was at a hotel in L.A., and I drove up, and I tell you what, this, this guy, his name is Winston Moss. He played with the Packers, coached with the Packers for a long time. He's just such a excited, uh, passionate, humble guy that we hit it off, and, and, and the facility is 20 minutes from home. The games will be played 20 minutes from home, it's where the Chargers play right now before they move into their new stadium. So it just sounded like a fun startup kind of deal but I had no intentions of getting back into (laughs) coaching but this one this looks like a fun deal so we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes
2: well coach I'm I'm a little I'm a little hurt by this. <laughs> Not that you wanted to get back into coaching, I can I can live with that. But I saw the Times did a story on you, had a nice picture of you, and they asked, you know, what have you been doing, and you had an opportunity. All you said was, "I was doing some radio in Salt Lake." You could have said, "I've been do- I was doing on the DJ and PK show." You could have given me some love, but you just referred to us as some anonymous Salt Lake radio show. Come on, I. Thought I well, thought we meant uh,
1: more than that to you. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess I should have. I'm, I, that, you know, it's a typical... Oh you did the media. I mean I some of the things that were said in there said I had five grandchildren, I have nine of them. You know, <laughs> you know, things like that. But so my daughter wanted to know which four that you know, which four are you gonna discredit? Which four don't you wanna have? I see like, you're not accounting for, you know. But I'm sorry, maybe I should have done that. But you all get enough pop. What the heck? You've been around a long time.
0: Uh, that's funny. Four, five, nine. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, what's yeah. the right. What
1: difference what we'll, difference does it make? We'll said
0: our personal hurt little. Feelings aside, and try to move on with I the interview. I figured he time went to the
2: University of Utah. He didn't know how to spell DJ and PK. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, we are, we are really interested. Obviously, there's a ton of excitement for the game. There's a ton of excitement for the Utes this year. And everybody thinks they're overwhelming to you know, pick the Pac-12. I was actually reading that the other. The overwhelming favorite in the Pac-12 South, which is just funny because USC's been so good so many times for so long. But They're in trouble now and I'm just curious what you're hearing if they're digging themselves out of trouble or if the problems they've had combined with the schedule they open with these first six games are really tough if um, if they're gonna get crushed by that. what what's your read on USC? What do you hear?
1: Well, you know they, they certainly haven't taken their, their shared criticism here. Um you know I I I it, it's a good it, it, the first tomorrow will, uh, Saturday night will tell I think they play a good Fresno State team not a great Fresno State team but a good one if they can get by them I think they'll be okay I don't not so sure they have the depth necessary that's what people keep talking about is it they don't, do they have enough, you know, when injuries take place and all that? the court, For the quarterback situation to be a question is concerning in my mind. If some uh, new freshman came in and almost won the job. It means that JT Daniels is probably not stepping up maybe like he should, although they did name him the, the starter. Um, you know, they talk about this air raid offense and all that. It's just the same old stuff that BYU has been running for years, you know, the two back sets and all that kind of thing. But I think... They have a chance. Whether they have a chance to, to, to really play well every week, that, that's the real question. I, think, I do think. I think Utah has a tremendous opportunity because the rest of the Pac-12, I mean, UCLA plays Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's supposed to beat them. It's crazy. You know, Arizona gets beat by Hawaii. I think Arizona State has to go with a young quarterback. So I think Utah does that. On paper, anyway, I think Utah has a heck of a shot.
2: So the youths bring back Andy Ludwig. He obviously knows Kyle extremely well, and with that in mind, what type of offense do you expect? Knowing that the defense is supposed to be really good, and Ludwig has this long-standing relationship with
1: Kyle. Well, I think he's. I think that was a good choice by Kyle to get to get Andy to come back. I think Andy's just a solid. You know, fundamentally sound football coach, and and I think with the talent that he has, at least on paper, you know, with, with the receivers and that that running back and the quarterback so experienced, I think he'll he'll uh, be more of a what's the right word, more of a, a a base type thing, you know, not do some of those crazy things that some other guys like to do, uh, but I think it, it'll be sound, it'll be effective. You know, Kyle obviously is a defensive minded guy and. And the off if when and if the offense can complement what the defense is doing, I think they're they're ready to take off. Now they too need to stay healthy, right? I mean that that quarterback and running back were both mixed up last year as well.
0: So if you're BYU going into this game, how do you attack? It's an opener. It's a rivalry game. There's a lot of emotion. Would you be up for using some kind of not not like a trick gadget play, but something if a guy's over pursuing reverse, the halfback option oh, pass because safety coming up. Would you bust something out early? You, you,
1: sure. You always have to have that. You know, you you need to run sideways sometimes. You need to tire them out. You need to shoot the ball down the field. The nice thing about BYU in this, this game in my mind is that they they have nothing to lose. You know, it's easy to play from behind. The play calling is a little looser you know, you know, you just got to go for things. It's tough playing from on top, as we've talked about before. That's that all those years at BYU. That's what made that business tough. Is that, you know, you're taking everybody's best shot, and now with BYU not supposed, you know, obviously they're underdogs. Take some shots at it, sure. Tire them out, run, run, run sideways a little bit, you know, reverses and those kind of things to get them going, and then start pounding. But they they can play a little looser, I think because they're not supposed to win, right? They're, they're right.
2: the dogs. They are the underdogs, yeah. And then yeah. you talk about uh, the quarterback, Zach Wilson, got some experience last year in the last part of the season. Now you take him having more experience combined with the primary play callers with Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick how much better can the offense be or how much more of the playbook can they use, put in some new stuff, because he's got some experience now and the two guys calling the plays have experience, and so you put that together, it seems like it should be more advanced.
1: Well, it should be, but, but I, think, I think the key is that the Aaron, and, and, and Aaron and Jeff know what this quarterback is capable of doing. And, and and they they need to make sure that they they magnify the the things that he does well. I think that's critical in any coaching situation. You know, don't force him to do things that he's not good at, and let him be, let him do the things that he is at good at. Um, the the concern is again, I mean, yeah, he had a lot of experience, but I think that expectation level on that young man is so high. I mean, he's only he's only a sophomore right and there is a there is something to be said about a home that's been around a little bit compared to a young man that you know that's just played three or four games now two years from now obviously he'll be on top of the world and Aaron can do whatever he wants with that young man but i think right now he has to make sure that he has some success and that's that's critical in, in in the young guys growth and development
0: so I'm curious how long it takes before you consider a guy really a veteran guy. I mean, Huntley's played a couple years now. He has had injuries, but I think this is like his 20th start in college football. Wilson did get to play last year, and so if you get you know, a half dozen games under your belt, at what point, is there a point where quarterbacks click in, or is it just really every guy, 5, 10, 15, 20 games you never know? Or is there a point where you think, okay, he's played enough them now, he gets it?
1: Well, I, I think the key in that—that—that's a great question—is—is—is is, is seeing things. You know, when, the, the, whenever you realize that he's seen enough coverage changes, he's seen enough different blitzes. That, you know, the variety of blitzes that people can throw at you—the corners, the safeties, unusual type blitzes—and I think it's different for every 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 young guy. I mean, Ty Detmer took him six games, for example. You know, because now you now you understand the coverages. You understand the coverage changes and 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 all the different nuances that the defenses do. And Kyle is very very good at it now. He's very he's basic. He's uh, but but he'll come from all over the field and he'll attack you. I think the blitz pickup is is really critical as well, because um, you're gonna see things that you've not seen before. Just like an offensive coach puts a player to in that uh, is not on tape, the defenses do the same thing. He, they'll see things that they've not seen before on tape. And then once you feel like you see them enough, I think that's when you realize that he, uh, that he can make his biggest jump growth-wise.
2: For years, Kyle has been the underdog, and he has been the overachiever. And it seemed like that reflected in his coaching philosophy, you know, the nobody believes in us, and then we rise up and we can find ways to win. And so how is it going to be different this year? Because they are the favorite. They're the overwhelming favorite in the South. There was 35 votes in the preseason poll, and they got 33 of them. And so they are obviously expected to win and anything less than in the South is going to be a disappointment how does it change his coaching motivational style or is that just overrated and it doesn't matter anyway
1: yeah I don't think it matters the guy's a good sound solid football coach and and more importantly than that he's a good sound solid person so I don't think it matters I really don't he's been through it all he understands it he gets it And, 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 and coaches you know enjoy that they enjoy I think for the most part that 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 bug being on him. Hey, we're going to go prove this thing. We can do this thing. And he and certainly has the players that can back that up. So I don't think it matters one bit. I think he's certainly ready for this. And, and uh, it'll be, you know, it'll the, the, the disappointment will be bigger if, if they don't get there. But, you know, they expect to get there. And I, I'm sure they will because the Pac-12 South is just not real Not like it used to be with UCLA and USC and Arizona State all the time. So I think he's there. I really think so. I don't think it matters to him one bit. He probably enjoys uh, the heat, if you will.
0: Norm Chow joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, college football is always changing a little bit. There's always something new. Graduate transfers have really taken off the last few years. Are there positions where you would trust a, you know, a grad transfer to plug in and play right away? Are there positions where it takes a little longer? Because obviously for BYU, you know, they're starting running backs, a grad transfer. Maybe that's a position, I guess with the exception of blitz pickups, you could go with a guy pretty quick and expect big results?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, the guy's received good coaching for, for four years, right? I mean, where, where he's coming from, he's got good coaching um i i i would i would not be too concerned about all of that kind of business other than learning the terminology and, and they certainly have had enough time to do that i'm just not so sure i agree with all that, that that transfer portal and all that kind of business you know there has to be some kind of loyalty now i realize that the, you know loyalty from the top down is not always there coaches are always jumping for more money or whatever but uh you know, I think there has to be some kind of loyalty with these guys that sign on, and then they jump and ship the minute they realize there's second unit. They jump and ship. It makes it hard, man. It makes it hard for a coach.
2: So since they have been in the two separate conferences, this game last year was the last game of the year, but traditionally it had been uh, the second, third, fourth game somewhere in there. You'd played a usually I think it's around the third game. So you'd played a couple of games this year. Obviously, it's the first game from an underdog perspective, which BYU obviously is. Would you prefer to play it? at the first game and maybe get some things that uh, the other team, the Utes, are a little unsure of and don't click. They're not at the peak of their game. So is it best for the underdog to play the first game?
1: Uh, good thought. Good thought. I always like to play a, a, a gimme kind of game right. before you have to play somebody pretty good, but that, that's probably a good thought. Maybe, uh, you know, understand that Utah's not quite ready or, or you know, they're, or they're, they're getting ready for the Pac-12 with so much hype there. Maybe it's a good time to catch them. Uh, that's a good thought. I, I'm not so sure, uh, but I do know that BYU can come out and just play, and and that that gives them a chance. I think you know because I think if later on in the year when they're both both kind of proven and beat up a little bit, you know, Utah probably has a better 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 personnel. Is this the first? Is this the first time they're playing in the first game of the year?
0: As far as we know, right? Uh, apparently, there was some game that you know how the schools don't don't agree on when the series started there might have been something Uh back in like 1890 so for all purposes yes it's the first time (laughs) wow wow
1: Pretty cool. I think it's exciting, but again, and we've certainly beat this dead horse. But you know, it means certainly means means a lot more to BYU because if Utah doesn't get them, it's a big deal. Hey, let's forget about it. let's go win the conference. They got SC in a couple of weeks, and they better get ready for those guys. So, whereas an an, an independent starts out 0 one 1, it makes it a little tougher for them. So, no question, Utah's got a lot going for them. But if they don't, they don't. Let's go win the Pac 12.
0: How much does it help coaches to prepare when you're playing a team and you see them on film playing a team you've also played? Because USC going to play, or BYU is going to play Utah in the opener. They're going to play USC the third game, and then Utah gets them right after that. So Kyle and his staff will see BYU play USC, having already played BYU themselves.
1: Oh, that's that's huge. That's huge. I think it. it, it you see how how the the opponents probably you know want to defend you. And what they think they can do to to attack you, I think it's huge. And it'll be a big advantage for Utah to, to see that on tape.
2: So, I was talking to Aaron Roderick earlier in training camp. You know, I was talking about uh, the offense, and he was saying, Well, this is BYU, and, you know, they like, they invoke your name a lot, particularly somebody like Aaron who ha- has a relationship with you. And he says, You know, when when Coach Chow was calling the plays, we were an execution based offense. So, because I'm asking him, You know, do you, do you have the athletes that you can get deep and be explosive and whatnot? And he was saying, Well, you know, historically we haven't had that, but I. I'm wondering though, the one place where it seemed like you can have an advantage, and BYU did so well at this for so many years, was at tight end. In the last couple years, it really hasn't had that. Now they got this Bushman kid going into his junior year, and it seems like he can be in the mold of some of these great tight ends that BYU has had in that way. And with that in mind, how important is it for them to get this kid involved? Because it might be the one area where they they can have a mismatch.
1: You, you, you're pretty good at this stuff. Right? Thank you. I think it's Thank huge. You. I think it's huge. Um, the tight ends are often overlooked, and that's why you see such good tight end play in the NFL. Because you don't see it a lot in college, and and and, and I think the tight end position, you know, it, it's overlooked a little bit. You, you you know, when you think about coverage, you, you, linebackers have to cover tight ends, and and where, where defensive backs cover, you know, wideouts, and they, that's what they are used to do. And linebackers have to tackle and cover. So I think it's huge, and I think that's that, that's a very accurate observation. If they can get this guy involved, and I've noticed him before, he's a nice player, big old guy that yeah. can run a little
2: bit. Right, exactly. And my,
1: yeah, and and uh, my understanding, he's getting good training because his father-in-law was pretty daggone on good court, uh, tight end as well. You're
2: talking about Chad but, uh, Lewis.
1: <laughs> talking about Chad Lewis. Yeah. So I think Aaron is very accurate. Um, uh, you know, and, and BYU has always relied on execution, and that's what you're supposed to be like. You know, that's what that's what every coach wants to do, execute. Whatever the offense is, execute the crazy thing and, and make it work. So uh, Aaron always told me that we never had, what what he's saying, execution-based, because we BYU never had any speed, and that's why we recruited Aaron and remind him remind Aaron and I said that's why we recruited him to, to get some get some length called for us get us down the field some but uh, he was an awfully good player as well as certainly a good young man and a good football coach
0: so I know your radio appearances need to be limited now that you're an XFL guy it's an XFL thing <laughs> and we, won't, we won't get into it but uh, so we, we need to know now do you believe in the Dodger bullpen is this the year the first title since 1988
1: Honestly, I don't. I don't. I've seen enough of them, and Jansen blew another one last night, blew another save last night. They've got to end They have – Joe Kelly is coming through. They need that middle inning stuff. If Kelly and Baez can come through, they may be okay. But, boy, that, that the Yankee series and, and with Houston playing well and, and – uh, who, there was uh, the Braves are playing well. It's going to be tough, man. They don't have that middle, you know. And and I, and I don't know why they don't extend it. The, they, I'm sure they have their reasons. But I, I always think they should extend that starter one more time. I mean, you get them to the sixth or seventh instead of the fifth or the sixth when they take them out. Long winded answer, but well, I should root for them. I'm, we're hoping, but I, I don't know. I don't know that the middle part of that that release bullpen is is very questionable. And now with Jansen blowing a little bit, who knows? Who knows?
2: (laughs) Extending the starters. So we were looking this up the other day because Kershaw passed or tied Koufax for the most wins in Dodger history for the Los Angeles and whatnot. And so Kershaw's high and complete games in the season was six. And the last two years that Koufax pitched – he had 27 complete games in each season for a total of 54. And Kershaw, if you added up his complete games, his entire career would get nowhere near 54. So this extending of the starting pitching, what is that you speak of? That does not happen anymore.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't. And, 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 and I, 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 my mind is at the analytics. It's the analytics. You know, the third time through, yeah. Joe is hitting 300 instead of 200 against him, so yep. we got to get him out. I, I, mean, I don't understand all that stuff. But, but uh, it, it, it seems like that has really taken over. And sometimes, you know, and, and obviously I'm not going to question the manager, but sometimes I think the Dodgers are too cute. You know, just let them play. Just let them play. You know, the guy's playing right field one day and first base the next day and left field the next day. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about just, you know, guys, rosters, lineups, they just, you know, basically they, they need rest, obviously, but, the you know, it's basically the same we day in or day out This whatever right-handed or left-handed pitcher you know whatever that situation arises but uh, anyway it's, it's fun they're sure fun and then they're fun to watch but they need to show up that bullpen or i think they're in trouble i are, really do when you, it gets to playoff time
2: are you going to go to the utah game against sc in a, in a few weeks
1: you know i i uh, i texted kyle early in the summer we text back and forth and and he always takes care of me but yeah. Uh, i'm I don't know if I want to go deal with traffic and all that kind of business, but uh, it's surely going to be an exciting one. And, yes, long answer to your short question, yes, we'll probably go up and, uh, and cheer for the Utes.
2: All right. see you down there then.
1: Yeah, we will. And if you're down, if you come down and stop by, maybe give me a phone call. Let me know you're coming, and I'll buy you lunch.
2: <laughs> I'll never live that down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun seeing you, my friend. It was fun seeing you.
0: All right, Norm, thanks for a few minutes. Uh, we enjoyed it, and uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the college football kicking off. It's go time. We'll,
1: we'll do it. We'll do it. It's a fun time, and, and, and go Utes, go Cougars. We'll, we'll see how it all breaks. be a fun time. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and let's do it again.
0: Okay, Norm Chow, former BYU and Utah assistant coach. And now... Now an assistant coach for the XFL team in Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, I can't root for them because they're called the Wildcats. I just can't do it. (laughs) You got to draw the
0: line. Yeah. Stop messing with the U of A nicknames. Right. Anything but the Wildcats. Come on. Are there a bunch of Wildcats running around L.A.? What are they doing there? I don't know. I don't know how they came up with that one. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. He joins us. Stay with us. And now, Top of the Wire on 97.5,
3: 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: College football. A busy Thursday night of action. It's going to start at 5 o'clock with UCLA at Cincinnati. That game's on ESPN Cincinnati coming off an 11-win season. UCLA coming off a miserable 3-9 and season, looking for a bounce back year. Kent State's at Arizona State, 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 networks. The big game nationally, Georgia Tech and Clemson. The defending champs, Clemson, opening with an ACC game. That's 6 o'clock on the ACC Network. And it all wraps up at 8.15 tonight on ESPN. It's BYU and Utah from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Listen to the pre and post game on your way to and from the stadium right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Also, Salt Lake Bees playing tonight in El Paso. That game will be at 7 o'clock. That will be on 1280 The Zone, so the pre and post will be on 97.5. Top of the Wire brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res summer sale ends August 31st. Your last chance to get your fourth room clean for free. No soaps, shampoos, or harsh chemicals. Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. The 2019 season begins this
3: week. And what better way to kick off the season than... The Holy War. Listen all week as the Zone Sports Network gets you ready for another chapter of the BYU-Utah rivalry. Then, on game day, legendary. catch the Holy War pregame show beginning Thursday at 6 at JCW's in Provo. Your home for the best Holy War coverage in Utah is right here. You know on
4: 97.5, 1280
3: The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80. The Zone time to talk some Pac-12 football with Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 networks. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint is the network built for Unlimited with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Yogi, good morning. Good morning, indeed. How are you? Good. So there's a lot of different games and a lot of different uh, teams, and obviously we want to spend a lot of time on BYU and Utah here. But I have to ask you, what the heck happened to Arizona? What was that? How could they not? For- I mean, they forced one punt, one field goal. It was six turnovers, six touchdowns. That defense, uh, should everyone just start licking their lips? Is everyone going to go through that, or is Hawaii a little different?
4: I, I don't know, man. I mean, they're gonna they're going to break somebody's heart in this conference. You know, I mean we could see it, right? Can't can't you imagine a world where it's October and somebody's rolling and undefeated and then Tate kinda goes off. It, they'll, have, they'll bounce back. You know, it's because he's so talented. But I think you're right. You know, watching that game, you said Hawaii had two turnovers. Three six. turnovers. Yeah. You'd hmm. say it was a wrap, but six, it was it was crazy. And when they weren't turning it over, Cole McDonald looked like he was just dealing, man. Their quarterback, and, and I, I'm, I got Hawaii again against UW in, in a couple of weeks, and they obviously have Oregon State uh, coming up next weekend. So, yeah, it was it's a tough one for Arizona. Obviously, not the way you want to kick things off. Uh, they'll bounce back and win the next game, but you're right. I mean, they got to find some answers. You know, nobody's going to play perfect. week you know, game one, they clearly didn't, and uh, it was one of those. It was weird for me watching. You know, like when they tied it up. I said to myself, "Okay, here comes JJ Taylor. They're going to pound the rock and just kind of control the clock, and they'll win ugly late. And they had their chances, and obviously didn't, you know, came up a yard short from at least taking the thing to OT. So I was bummed, as like everybody, everybody else, uh, I think, was watching that one.
2: Uh, except for this <laughs> ASU fan here, but uh, we'll let that go. Yeah,
4: yeah, you got to win for the conference. I mean, I think that that to me is." You know, that, that just has to happen, you know, for, for this – because that's going to be the argument, right? Like, let's just say they play – let's just say Washington, right? They're, they have them at home. Remember the ASU-UW game a couple years ago? Todd Graham was coaching. It was like 10-7 or, yeah. or whatever the score was. Yeah. Like, there's a world where that happens, you know, and that's just, that's just going to be a gut punch to the conference nationally because the rest of the country wrote off Arizona. You know, like, nobody cares. You know, like that's just going to be, that's kind of how the narrative is. So that's why I was bummed for that, for that one. Because that's just going to happen. They'll knock someone off, and every pundit that doesn't pay attention to the West Coast is going to say, oh, wow, that conference is you know, everybody beats everybody.
2: So I was listening to your podcast. I think you were actually at Tana and you were doing it with somebody, uh, a a lady, I don't remember who, but uh, she said that she was talking about a Sun Devil, and she said, it reminds me of you, Yogi. He's never had a bad day in his life. And so (laughs) I'm thinking, okay, now that football is here, this is, of all the days that you've never had a bad day, this has got to be right there at the number one with the start of the season.
4: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, this is this is what you dream of. I, I mean, this is why you play. You know, it's really fun. You know, we get to go at all these coaches meetings, you know, gearing up for, I got two games this week. And every coach says the same thing. I think at every level in the first game of the year is we just, we can't wait to play, and we only get 12 of them, you know, at this level. So, same deal for us. You know, like, we only get prepared for, I get prepare for maybe 14 of them or whatever it is. Um, we get a couple games a week, but I can't wait, you know, and you get to know all these stories, you get to know all these kids, you get to know them with their helmets off, and the craft that we love and the craft that creates, you know, the, the, the commonality of a, of a team, no matter what level of football you're playing at, gets to be put on put on a stage. You know, So I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped to watch Jaden Daniels tonight as a true freshman. I can't wait to see Utah deal with the pressures and anticipation and anxiety that comes with everybody loving them, and, and up and down the list for, for games starting today and, and going through the weekend.
0: Yogi Roth joining us here. So, uh, okay, big game, BYU and Utah. Uh, how much do you trust Utah's offensive line? Because has got a really good running back. If if their line rolls, then the running back's going to roll and everything goes from there. How much do you trust Utah's O-line?
4: Yeah, I heard there was a game going on. I heard that's kind of a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do, I, and I say it because I was, you know, I was at camp. Um, it was early; it was the first stop I saw. But my takeaway, outside of how hard this team practices and the competitiveness at every position that was, you know, put on exhibit on, practice, on the practice field, was the O line was moving the defensive line. You know, they weren't just putting a body on a body, but they were distorting their reads. You know, and, and when that happens. Um, they, you know, and I'm not, it was one snippet, you know, maybe it was the D-line had a bad day, but I don't think so. And you look at them, I mean, they're grown men. They look the part, and I love how they added a little depth, you know, via the portal, but I, I, I do trust the offensive line. You know, I think Nick Ford's got a chance to be an all-everything type of player with his athleticism. You know, you know, I, I have, we have a couple pictures of him that we use in the spring game of him when he was in high school, you know, at 190 pounds, And then he was 215, then he was 240, and now I don't know what he is, but he's definitely not 195 pounds, (laughs) you know, playing the offensive line for them. And he's a gifted athlete. And I feel that way about that group. So I feel really good. Obviously, they get coached up well. They're never going to not know what they're doing under Jim Harding. But I think that they'll be the surprise position of this team just because we don't love them at all. And uh, and I expect him to do well, and I expect him to move the ball, and I expect him to be able to distort defensive fronts, and I expect him to do it throughout the season.
2: So you talk about the perspective nationally, the Pac-12 with Arizona losing to Hawaii, and I, I think that you know that certainly the conference can overcome that because Arizona's. I agree with you; they're going to surprise somebody. Khalil Tate, when, once he gets going, I mean, he's as, as exciting as a player as there is to watch, and it certainly fun to watch him the other night. Uh, with that in mind, you know, there's a couple of big games this weekend. Well, it's really three of them when you look from the – well, four, really. I'd probably go five or six if I keep talking myself into it. You know, SC <laughs> and Fresno, and we know about uh, the Oregon-Auburn and then uh, Cincinnati and the Bruins, and then tonight, obviously, in both those games, uh, tonight with BYU and Utah. So how important is literally this very first week – for the conference and its re- and its reputation.
4: Yeah, and how about Stanford Northwestern? There
2: you go. Yeah, I knew yeah, I was missing one other one. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um yeah. It it's important. I mean I, I I'd even put in Oregon State, Oklahoma State. You know? It's gotta make it's gotta be competitive, you know. Uh they can't give up four hundred yards on the defensive front. They have to show some improvement from a year ago. I think it's big, you know, and I think there's an argument for every level of this conference in the games. at the top, clearly Utah to me and Oregon carrying, you know, the torch right now in terms of the hype and the type of game that's being played. I think SC, I think they're going to score 40. You know, I was texting with uh, Clay Helton yesterday. I mean, they're, they're really excited about this team. And you're going up against a team that clearly won a boatload of games last year in Fresno State, always coached up well. They'll do some special things. But like SC should win the game, you know. And, and I think this team is, a, you know, they're angry right now. And they've been that way since the final game of the season. Um, against I think it was Notre Dame last year when they, when they you know, didn't go to a bowl game. So I, th- I think they need to show out. And then I look at, like, UCLA, right? Chip Kelly is still, you know, one of the hottest brands in all of football. And I think for them to go to Cincinnati, if they lost – it would just, it would, it won't be good, and I don't expect them to do to to lose. I, I've seen them practice a bunch of times. You know, they got eighty seven freshmen, sophomores on this team. I think they're going to do some some really fun Chip Kelly yes things on offense, uh, just because he's got guys that while young, they've been around him for over a year now. So I expect them to play well. But so I think you can kind of make an argument at the top, and then these middle tier games, and then Stanford Northwestern. You know, it, it's not getting a lot of love, but. You know it should. It's got two head coaches that clearly are coaching their alma mater, and I think Fitzgerald. This is I think year thirteen or fourteen for him, and I think nine for Coach Shaw. I mean that's pretty cool. And it you know they're kind of mirror images of each other in terms of clearly academics, even consistent style of play. Northwestern's looking for a new quarterback. Stanford's got KJ Costello coming back and some young wideouts like Michael Wilson that he'll be known by everybody by week four or five. And, a, and an improved defense. I mean, they've got linebackers that look the part that would, you know, everybody would want them coming off the bus and, and starting for their team. And the best corner, you could argue, in the country, and Paulson Adebo, uh, guys just freaky. So up and down, man, there, there's big games. You'd love this conference to go 11-1, probably a little bit unrealistic just based on how the ball bounces. But need to win a bunch of those games, in my opinion.
0: Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Networks joining us here. So you, you bring up Stanford, I think we should put USC in the same boat here. Uh, the Pac-12 has a poor reputation nationally because the last couple of years, there are people who think that they overschedule, and then I mean they're playing nine conference games, and a lot of them are playing a 10th power five game. And then you look at what Stanford has done with Northwestern, Central Florida, and Notre Dame. What USC has done with Fresno State, BYU, and Notre Dame. Uh, would you tell them to knock it off and calm down on the <laughs> scheduling? Or is this the way it ought to be? And forget the national perception. Do it the right way. Your fans want big games. They're paying big money. Don't, don't truck in a Big Sky team. What would you say?
4: I'd say keep the competition going. You know, I mean, I, I'm calling UW against Eastern Washington. Yeah. It might be the scariest of them all, right? I mean, or Cal-UC Davis. Like, you can kind of flip a coin. The team went to the national championship last year. UW's got a new quarterback, losing the most two productive players in the history of that school on offense, and Gaskin and Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin, the running back. Then defensively replacing nine starters. You know, like, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I would love if they kind of rolled out the, you know, podunk U and did it like a lot of schools do. But um, that I, I don't think that's – that's never been what this conference has been about. And these schools have been about what, what I hope changes is obviously I, I'd love more teams to get into the playoffs. You know, I'd love the conference champ to get an automatic berth, but that's not reality today. But what is reality is I hope that the 13 member committee pays attention and doesn't go back and say, well, Arizona lost to Hawaii and they had a close game against Washington. So, or a close game against Utah. So, Yep, we got to drop them in this week's ranking. Like, that to me is such amateur hour. And that has happened in the past, you know? And I get it. Like, they're going to compare games and they can't watch every snap. But the job is to watch every snap. You know, the job is. It's just sad, and I don't like it. I don't like ESPN has basically made college football all about the playoff and four teams. And you talk to people that broadcast for them, and, They'd say the same thing. Uh, I met with, uh, I remember I was talking to Fowler over the summer, Chris Fowler, and I said, don't you feel it's a responsibility to share the truth of what goes on in these conferences versus just hype up the four teams? He's like, yeah, totally, of course. But the fan speaks. Like, it's about the playoff. And we get it. Like, that's why the ratings for the playoff shows are what they are and why people care about that. And, And that's unfortunate to me because it's hurt other bowl games, other than the Rose Bowl for the most part. And I think it's just hurt overall the game, you know. So if you don't go undefeated, let's just look at Stanford a couple of years ago with Christian McCaffrey when they smoked Iowa, right? You can't tell me they weren't one of the best four teams in the country. But they had two losses, you know, so they weren't even in the conversation. And to me, like, I've got empathy in, uh, for when there's a two-loss team if they're one of the best teams, you know, and you've gone through a gauntlet. You know, if it's about the four best teams at the time, and put the four best in and if it's not which you could argue it hasn't always been based on who's lost late in the year then let's just put in Oklahoma Clemson you know Ohio State and, you know you can flip a coin for the 14 if, if you really want to and, and that's not that's not good for the game so, so I hope really at the end of the day people just do their job which is which is pay attention and and understand the gauntlet that some of the teams have to go through, Stanford being one of
2: them. Yeah, do you think they pay attention nationally to the rivalry here locally that we have and how tough it is for Utah to beat BYU? Even though they've done it eight, nine times in a row, the the games, most of them have been very close, if not decided, on the final play. So it is an accomplishment to beat those guys, no matter which team it is, particularly from the Pac-12 perspective. So the point being, would Utah get any national credit for beating BYU?
4: yeah I think I think that rivalry is really respected within college football but I do think this year with all the hype that's there um, you know there's there's not really margin for error just because of such a, there's such a hype train movement on this team right now um, but you're right I went back and looked the last couple games the other night and said whoa these these are all really close you know Zach Moss hasn't done much you know in these games like, kind of curious to see how this one shakes out and then you look at Utah historically in the opener, um, they haven't, you know, haven't been extremely efficient for four quarters. And the last time BYU played, it's the most efficient game that you could possibly have at the quarterback position, at least with Zach going 18 of 18. So I think this is going to be a, a real fun game to watch. Um, I'm really excited for it. What I hope happens um, is when Utah goes three and out, three and out, three and out, because I think that'll happen at some point in the game. I can't wait to watch Tyler Huntley and this team, because I think they're built for it, deal with that adversity. That, that's where I think, like, there's a ton of hype for this team, but I think, like, you guys and, like, I said, the Pac-12 Networks, if you've been tracking it, I think they're right on schedule. You know, like, that, that's why I think they're, they're they're truly built for a run this year because of the vets, because of the talent, because of the next-level talent um, and the acumen and the big games you guys have played in and showed up in the I don't flinch, you know, and I don't kind of, oh, I hope they, they do well. Like I, I know this is a really good football team. You know, will they play perfect every week? No chance. Will they lose one along the way? Probably. Um, will they lose two? Let's hope not, because I do think that they've got all the, t- the tools necessary to compete, you know, with those, you know, massive powerhouses that have been mainstays in the college football playoff conversation.
0: Yogi, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, Enjoy the opening week of action, and we will uh, talk to you again down the road. Okay, guys. Talk to you soon. Yogi Roth, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you're missing the conversations with Norm Chow, Yogi Roth, uh, with us screwing around in the 7 o'clock hour with how you're going to feel tonight, everything is uh, online at 1280thezone.com, and you can get the show wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever. Check us out. Downloads, baby! Downloads! (laughs) He does it over there. You're going to pull something. (laughs) All right, DJ PK, Sports Jeopardy. We got our grand champion for the summer, but we got a reigning champ who's on a pretty good streak of his own. They're going to square off to wrap it up for the summer. Jake and Steve coming up next. We're going to find out what they know about the rivalry. Stay with us.
3: Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual College Football Top 60 and 60. You know sports. All right, smart guy. Time to put that knowledge to the test. It's time for another edition of Sports Jeopardy with DJ and PK on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: Time for our final edition of Sports Jeopardy for the summer of 2019. It's PK's idea. To pass the time, wasn't it a contestant who went nuts? That guy went crazy and just won a bunch of stuff and was piling it up. That sports gambler guy. I forget his name. James Holzauer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> sure. I don't know. You could have just made that no, up. It yeah, was like James was, okay, okay, good. Thanks for telling the truth. But you know, Eddie Fernandez. Yeah, if you'd said Barney, I would have gone, Yeah. Ken Jennings is the OG when it comes to there that. There it is, right? And that's what we have. We have the recent champ. And the longtime champ squaring off, it's a Super Bowl sports jeopardy to wrap up the summer. Because college football starts tonight locally, so it's now officially fall. I know that's not how the weather people do it, but that's how I do it. And uh, the weather guys aren't on this show. So, we welcome in our champion, the grand prize champion, Jake. Morning, Jake.
3: Hey, guys. How are you?
0: Good. So I understand sure. you're going to a jazz game. You're getting the meal before. You're getting uh, you're getting wined and dine, treated like all that.
4: Well, I appreciate
0: it. Sounds great. Yep. Steve's our reigning champ. He didn't win as many times as Jake, partly because he ran into the end of summer, so it was a bad timing thing for him. But nonetheless, he's going to a jazz game. I don't know if you're getting the linen tablecloth, Steve, but you're getting the game. <laughs> lower <laughs> bowl. Matter, I've been thinks. lower bowl. I've been told too, so you'll be right down there where, you know. Awesome. You'll, you'll be able great. to see the whole deal. All right, so we figured we'd have you two uh, square off and butt heads here at the end of the summer. And tonight's the rivalry game, so we might as well make it all about the rivalry game. You ready? Here we go. Jake, as the grand prize champion of the summer, we're going to let you go first. Question number one. In 29 years, this was Lavelle Edwards' record versus Utah. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh,
4: 22 and seven.
0: Nice. That's why Jake's our guy right there. All right, Steve, time to step up. Here we go. Kyle Whittingham is coaching his 14th rivalry game, and this is his record. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I'll go with uh, 11 and three. You want to steal this one, Jake? Five, Uh, four, three, two, one. Well,
4: since this is the 14th year, he's only lost three games, so I'll go 10-3. Uh, and three.
0: See, there it is. It was simple math there, Steve. You were right there, though. I see what you were doing. All right, Jake, question three. That's a,
3: yeah, that's, that's a Utah education
0: right there. PK <laughs> appreciates that. He didn't want to have to say it. Question three, this is the highest scoring game the Utes have put together in the rivalry. Five, four, three, two, one. Jake, what do you have?
4: 57 points,
3: 1988, Scott Mitchell. That was a dark day for me.
0: <laughs> there it is. Steve, question number four. This is the highest scoring game the Cougars have put together in a rivalry game. Five, four, three, two, one. That would be 1989.
3: 1989. Was that
0: seventy to thirty-one? Weird. They came back to back in back to back years. All right. Question five, Jake. In Utah's eight-game winning streak, the Utah defense has scored in this many games. Five, four, three, two, one.
4: Boy, it feels like all of them, but I'm going to say six.
0: That's because the number is six. All right, there it is, Jake. Congratulations. Uh, you win. Oh, you want to throw the tiebreakers out there? Might as well. We're having fun with this. Come on. All right, uh, Steve. This is the last year of the you shut out BYU. Five, four, three, two, one. Would this
3: have been 2003 and 3-0
0: game? That's exactly right. And uh, Jake, this is the last year of BYU shut out Utah. Five, four, three, two, one.
3: 79.
0: Man, you are a machine, Jake. You are a machine. All right, it is 1979. The year after they lost in 78, Lavelle got, uh, got him back with a shutout. And the year after they lost in 88, he dropped 70 on him. Not accidental, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it was accidental at all. Lavelle was all shucks, nice guy, and then just dropped the hammer. All right, guys, thanks a lot. You've already got your uh, – well, you don't already have, but you've already earned your prizes. You'll be going off to jazz games. We appreciate you helping entertain the masses this summer. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening.
3: Thanks for having us on. Thanks, guys.
0: Jake and Steve, there it is. Jake is just like – Jake just doesn't blink. I mean, there's just nothing. To, he nailed everything there.
2: See you next year, next June. We'll be back.
0: <laughs> Sports Jeopardy goes on hiatus. All right, we're going to take a break. DJ and PK, when we come back, your mood tonight will be what? How are you going to be feeling when you go to bed tonight? (laughs) How's this game going to play out? How's it going to impact you? We will get to that next. Grab your phone. Use the app. Send us uh, some audio on the open mic. You can call us, 855-340-ZONE. Hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. On Twitter, at DavidDJJames. Stay with us.